Hey, Room 303 listeners. Are you looking for a way to make every game day exciting, even when your favorite team isn't suiting up? Then Thrive Fantasy is the destination you're looking for. A one-of-a-kind daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have options for NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, and eSports. Guess what? They even take all the research out of it for you by only asking about top-tier athletes in their respective sports. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over-under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is, baby. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Build your lineup daily and earn all that moolah. For NFL, choose 10 out of 20 player prop options. NBA, MLB, PGA, and eSports, choose 5 out of 10 player prop options. With PGA having new contests each match day, Thursday, Friday, and so on. Still on the fence? Well, here's the nudge you need. Use promo code ROOM303 when you sign up and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. I'll repeat that. Promo code ROOM303. A $20 bonus. Thrive has awarded over $1.3 million in prizes since launch in 2018. What are you waiting for? To be up 28 to 3? Download Thrive Fantasy now and prop up today. Not all states qualify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Podcast Room 303. This is episode 51. I'm your host, Jermaine Colon Mendez. This is my co-host, Nicholas Morahan. How are you doing today, Nick? If you guys hear that clean, beautiful sound that's coming from Jermaine, he has now set up his podcast station in his house he is no longer talking through headphones. He's talking through an actual microphone. He looks like an actual professional podcaster. So now the look matches the feel. And when you look good and you feel good, you play good. And I'm feeling good, Jermaine. You know why? Because I'm taking the GameStop rocket ship to the moon. Bro, congratulations. I just put about three grand into Apple stock. And then all this GameStop news started breaking. So I was just like, ah, oh, I just had the money. I just had the money. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pretty fun adventure to watch. Um, it's kind of a bunch of frat bros versus Wall Street. So is it really just frat bros versus frat bros? I think it is tech nerds who don't work for Silicon Valley and individual investors against giant hedge funds. I think that's probably a better one. I hope they take the hedge funds down, bro. Hedge funds cause so nerd, nerds, nerds, nerds against uh, Ivy League frat boys. Yeah, 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 yeah. community college bros. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, what's it called real life of Simi Valley bros. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Jesus, that's I'm a, that's I'm straight up not having a good time. Straight up not having a good time. That's right. But yeah. uh, I'm 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 good, man. We'll see how we'll see how high it gets. Uh, I got in a little too late, but right now it's I, I got in enough time to to make to to start making a good amount of money. So we'll see. Yeah, it won't be turning 50k into you know cool mill or anything like that, but it'll still be a substantial amount. <clears throat> Pre market right now, it's hitting about four fifty five ten that in somewhere yeah. in that range. Yeah, I bought in at three hundred. Mm. So envious, I'm envious, bro. Just make sure, uh, just make sure you, uh, you cash that that winning bet 
<laughs> oh yeah. Don't fall in love with the field, bro. Speaking of speaking of winning bets, uh, the EPL model is hot. The NBA model is now hot that we've removed the modifier for the bubble, which I somehow, for some reason, kept on the, uh, <laughs> the for this entire season. Maybe I'm almost ready to start releasing picks to the people. Maybe. Well, why not? I mean, they're free. If they ride and get mad, then you make your own model. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. Good <laughs> so. Point. So suck a mean one if you don't agree with our picks. All right, so let's just move right into uh, the trivia question for today. As always, we lead off with trivia. And in honor of the passing of one of the great legends of our time, one of the true icons of the sport of baseball, we've got some Hank Aaron trivia just for you guys. So what was Hank Aaron's single season home run mark? Bonus question, what year? And the answer is, in the, so we'll start with MLB today because uh, we got to get your rant out of the way so that way we can speed through the rest of the podcast. And also, mm-hmm. Hank Aaron's passing is kind of the biggest uh, news since you and I were last together recording. So we're coming to you today on the 28th of January, 2021. And uh, Hank Aaron passed, I believe it's almost a week now, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah All right. The uh, 22nd, the 22nd of January, he died. Yeah. So uh, go ahead and kick it off, Nick. So, yeah. So Hank Aaron, obviously a, a, a true, uh, a true icon of the game is, as Jermaine said, um, he held the home run record of 755 home runs for a very long time. Uh, until it was uh, breaking Babe Bruce record of 715 until it was broken by Barry Bonds. Some say that Hank Aaron is still the true home run champion. Uh, he played 23 years. Um, he had 37, over 3,700 hits, um, a lifetime career batting average of 305. Um, he was selected for. Uh, 23 or well, 25 MLB all-star games. I actually don't see how that makes sense. I might've got my, I might've got my numbers mixed up. His, his, his Jersey number has been retired by two teams, the Milwaukee Brewers and uh, the Atlanta Braves. He played for both teams. He won three gold gloves. He started playing in 1951 uh, for the Negro leagues, made his debut with the Milwaukee Braves in 1954, played for the Braves until 1965 uh, and then uh, after that, switched to the Atlanta Braves. Only played for Milwaukee until 65 because the Braves moved to Atlanta. Uh, he won World Series, or he won National League MVP in 1957. Uh, 1974, he broke Babe Ruth's record with his uh, 715th home run. Uh, played until 1976 and then was the director of player development for the Atlanta Braves until 89. And 1982, he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. So it's a, uh, it is a very uh, sad. He had a nice, he had a long life, and it's sad that he's, that he's passed. I, I can't really say that, you know, I, it's sad that a, a icon of the game has passed, but I never really saw him play. Like I said, he was retired by 1976. 
So I just know of him in statistical form, and and he's one of the best hitters of you know baseball all time. Yeah, likewise. I you know we never actually watched him play. It was more highlights, stories, and. You know, it seemed like anytime someone else was getting close to breaking some crazy record, it was like, oh, look, there's Hank Aaron's name again. So that's pretty much how I felt with him. But I know that, you know, upon, you know, reading upon him and learning about him when he was younger, he was a really big deal because of kind of the era that he played in. Like you said, he did start in the Negro League before he came over to the majors and absolutely dominated. So. You know, that was part of that big transition that baseball was having. Um, Yeah, I know that this is much more substantial to, you know, the generation well before us. Yeah, a few generations before us. And uh, yeah, it's always sad when you lose someone. But I always have this thing like if you're 72 or above or even 70, I'm like, yo, seven decades, like... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about to get that sad, bro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, you, know, you hope, you hope you lived a, you hope you lived a nice long life. Um, but yeah, 14 shy of a hundred. It's like, all right, bro, you can't set all the records. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I uh, have it all. So you actually mentioned that some people still say that Hank Aaron is, the home run leader. And to those people, I say, "Ah, ah." but with that being said, that's a perfect segue into some of the news that came out this week. So Nick and I, a few episodes back, uh, it was probably about 12, 14 episodes now. um, Went on this whole big spiel about how loaded the baseball hall of fame ballot was this year. I mean, you had, Oh, I'll, I have a, I have the actual voting percentages in the photos, but I'll just touch basis on the the top percent getters. But you had Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Scott Rowland, Omar Vizcal, Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, Gary Sheffield, Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent. I mean, a veritable who's who of greatness in baseball. Right? So those are the top 10 vote getters. The reason why we're talking about this is... I mean, we'd like to sit here and report that XYZ got into the hall, but the BBWAA, better known as the <laughs> never mind, ba- Baseball Writers Association of America, suggested that nobody be elected into the Hall of Fame. Nobody met the 75% criteria to get in. The highest vote earner was 71.1%, and that was Kurt Schilling. He had 285 votes, and Next year is his last year on the ballot. Here's where it gets interesting. Kurt Schilling actually requested to be removed from a Hall of Fame ballot. So post this vote where Kurt Schilling got 71.1% of votes after playing with six teams, having just an iconic career, World Series winner, Cy Young winner, and, and I, Kurt Schilling is had enough. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Nick. What are your thoughts on the current status of the Hall of Fame, the BBWAA, and uh, I guess baseball as a whole? 
I mean, like I, I, I have baseball rants and, and, and baseball is, is my favorite sport by a long shot. Cause something I played and it's something I enjoy watching, but I don't know how many times baseball is going to allow itself to shoot itself in its own foot. You had an opportunity here to elect people to the Hall of Fame. Very good people, by the way. Right? I don't know if you've heard of, like Jermaine said, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, you know, Manny Ramirez, Sammy Sosa, some of the names that he didn't mention, Mark Burley, Tory Hunter. And you don't even you don't even elect anybody. What what criteria are we even applying anymore to the to the MLB the 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 MLB Hall of Fame? And Kurt Schilling came out this week after after the election or after the the writers came out and voted, and he said he wants to be removed from the ballot. And I don't I honestly don't blame him. And he said he'll wait until the veterans ballot comes out, which is basically Hall of Famers who are still alive get to vote. And they get to choose one person. I believe it's five years after he's left, after he's either kicked off the Hall of Fame ballot, or five years after he's kicked off the Hall of Fame ballot, they're allowed to vote one person in to the Hall of Fame every year. I just don't see where we don't recognize impacts to the game. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, Sammy Sosa, Ramirez. Guys like that had such a huge impact on saving baseball from the strike in the mid-90s and really reviving the passion in baseball in America in baseball, especially at a time where in 2001 we had an incident in September 11th that shook the core of our nation and baseball was instrumental in bringing that back. And the baseball writers of America want to be so highfalutin and they want to have such a high threshold for who gets in the Hall of Fame. Just get rid of the Hall of Fame, really. You're, 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 you're going to get it. You're going to get a point where if they keep doing this, your best record holders and the guys who lead the league in most of your major categories aren't in for XYZ reason that you want to make up. And it's ridiculous. So... Baseball had a chance, now I'm pivoting into baseball continues to shoot itself in the foot. Baseball had a chance to make baseball exciting this year. It was great last year. We had the expanded playoff format. We had the universal DH. Guess what? Baseball shot down both of those proposals. We're going back to pitchers hitting in the National League. I love it when pitchers hit home runs, but guess what? On average, do you know what a pitcher's average is, Jermaine? When you take a whole a whole uh, season of if a I had to, match, you know what their average is? Point yeah, zero nine six. as of 2019. Let me say that again. There's a there's a popular thing in baseball called the Mendoza line, which is if you're not hitting above the Mendoza line, you shouldn't even be considered to be going to the plate. The Mendoza line is like 120, something like that. And pitchers are hitting zero, not even a, not even a hundred, ninety six. 
For every thousand times they come to the plate, they get a hit in 96 times. And we don't go to the universal DH. Okay. So let's go to expanded playoff format. The the NFL saw decent success with it. I haven't looked at the viewership numbers for the season this year, but people seem to like that there was a new, you know, only one team got a first round bye. Right? It didn't work out for the Green Bay Packers, right? We'll get into that later in the show. But the expanded playoff format actually like was a good thing for the Major League Baseball. Nope, gone. Rob Manfred seems to be in a race against himself to be the worst commissioner of all time. Across all the major sports. I mean, he has literally left Gary Bettman in the dust right now because that's, he refuses to innovate. He refuses to innovate. He refuses to honor. And he refuses to, to do anything at all. Doing nothing at all is not a choice. You keep complaining. That this, is, this is the thing that pisses me off about baseball. You keep complaining that people aren't interested in your game. And it's because guys like Fernando Tatis, you're not letting kids view highlights of guys like Fernando Tatis, stream, share, like, post highlights of guys like Fernando Tatis and the new young players. And then you're not honoring the greats that our generation, now who's moving into adulthood, and, and has the ability to buy tickets to your games. You're not honoring the greats from our childhood because you think that for some reason they did a slight to your game when actually they did the opposite. That's I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, do- I'm done with my rant for MLB baseball. It's, it's just sad at this point. They, just, they, they literally cannot make a decision without it being the absolute wrong one. Yeah. I don't have too much to elaborate on that you already touched on the major league baseball players association turning down the dh the expanded playoff format to which i respond why right if you're the players association why wouldn't you want a universal dh that is more positions for people to get paid in to play right pitchers the importance of pitchers is not going to go away right they already bunt for pitchers anyways. If you add another DH spot in the other half of the league, there's more spots for old fat hitters to go. And the here's, expanded, here's expanded the, playoffs, like obviously, I mean, that speaks for itself. It's more games. It's more revenue generated. More money. That's, more, that's more statistics. That's more money. That's more opportunities for players who don't usually get to the playoffs to impress Randy. the playoffs to get more money. Randy, Randy. So essentially what is happening here is you have old grumpy men and women, the Baseball Writers Association of America. Mostly mostly men. Mostly men shooting baseball in the face, but saying they're upholding it to some criteria. Right? Then you have... Then you have the Major League Baseball Players Association, the players themselves shooting baseball in the face and their own pocketbooks, which doesn't make sense in a league that does not have a salary cap. And you see these gross overpaid contracts for most of the time, slightly above average ball players who don't pan out to the hype. Yeah, I it's re- it's really getting super hard to to root for baseball success. It's almost like baseball doesn't want to be successful. 
And, you know, we get on NFL all the time because they probably are the second worst league as far as making decisions. But at least they put a product on and they make sure their product's good. Well, the, the NFL can always fall back on the fact that they own a day of the week. Baseball, you don't own a day of the week. You know what you do own, baseball? A season. You own summer. Other sports don't play in summer. Summer is baseball. You had a chance last year during a pandemic to start your season on the 4th of July, on the 31st of May. Days that you th- you seem to think have great significance because you let the players put on put names on the back of their jerseys, wear different colored hats, wear different wear, wear unique jerseys, and yet you blew it. You blew all those opportunities. Yeah, opening pretty... day. Opening day is one of the best sporting events in all of sports. Yeah, I concur. Opening day is my one of my favorite days in baseball. Yankees, Red Sox, opening day on Sunday night baseball literally gives me chills. I will get popcorn ready and I will sit and I will watch nine innings of that baseball game without fail. Three and a half hours of my life. Probably actually on opening day, not 12 hours of my life is dedicated to watching baseball because I'm so excited for baseball to come back. It's normally Cardinals, Cubs. You know, or Cardinals, Mets, or Dodgers, Giants, or Red Sox, Yankees. It's the classic rivalries of baseball. Yeah, I people love- want to like baseball. Believe me, people want to like baseball, and yet you are making people dislike baseball, and you're going to be left with guys like me that played baseball for most of their life. A, a point to you, Jermaine. With the universal DH, never did I have an at-bat. I was primary pitcher for most of my career. I couldn't hit for shit. Primarily as a pitcher, if you go up there and you just swing at three straight pitches, you're going to walk back to the dugout and your coach is going to say to you some iteration of, it's all right, go do your job. Some some coaches don't even want their pitcher to go up there in high school and college because they know his job is to pitch. So I don't understand. I don't get it. It's it's I we've but we've talked enough about baseball. Let's let's move on to let's move on to the the uh you want to do NHL next? Yeah, <laughs> let's go ahead and hit on we'll, NHL. We'll briefly touch on this. All right. So there's there's a new organization called the National Women's Hockey League. National Women's Hockey League, uh, obviously, is a new upstart organization. Uh, a, you know, a professional league for women's hockey. Awesome. A great, a, a great, you know, league that that finally gives uh, women hockey players the chance to play professionally. That isn't playing for their countries, i.e., the Olympics uh, or the World Cup for of hockey. Right. Um, Barstool CEO, CEO, Eric Nardini uh, is a huge hockey fan. I believe played hockey in college. Erica, Erica Nardini, Erica, Erica Nardini, excuse me, played hockey in college. I believe. Yes. Big hockey fan had, had two, uh, players on her podcast token CEO and 
just asked him about the just asked him about the league and and basically gave the league free pub, free pub publicity. These these players didn't ask to be on. The Barso CEO just loves hockey that much and loves women hockey that she gave them free advertising. What's the best type of advertising, Jermaine? The stuff you don't have to pay for. Yeah, for and sure. from a company like from a company like Barstool, it's exclusive. Well, after that, the National Women's Hockey League apparently took slight to Erica Nardini, said they don't need any free advertising, and basically used their army of female reporters an army of female reporters to go after Barstool and the way they treat females and have treated females in the past. Even though every CEO that's worked, every, every female that's worked for Barstool has said that they were treated with the utmost respect by Dave Portnoy, who's not even the CEO because the CEO of Barstool is a woman, which is more than you can say for most successful companies in the United States. What's it? Four percent of Fortune 500 companies are have CEOs, have women CEO, CEOs, and you're going to go at the one company that's literally holding up the that's literally one of the most popular companies among college age men, and it's run by a woman. It's it's just she's a bunch such of rants a, on the show. Jesus. She's the thing is, is she's such a badass. So for her. You know what I mean? She played hockey. She was a college athlete. She graduated. She moved on. She is now a CEO, has the token token CEO podcast, right? Is running one of the hottest names in sports right now in Barstool Sports that continues to not miss. Then they take a bunch of these unfounded allegations, right? Unfounded allegations against Barstool, and they run with them. They sick journalist on her, and then the players turn on her as well. Yeah, and for some reason, I think one of the players to come out, like they specifically point out that she is of, you know, a minority descent. And so she comes at them for that. And I'm just like, what is going on? So she responded by calling out people and then they got mad at her for calling out people and putting their names up with their photos because they would be defending herself defending herself and saying hey this person saying this about me this is not true hey this person saying this about me this is not true then (laughs) they she so they're saying she's putting those reporters out and now they can be attacked and alienated and they can find out where they're living and X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. Isn't that the same thing they did with everyone who works at Barstool and Erica Nardini herself? So, so they need, they wanted to be anonymous, I guess they wanted to be anonymous, which doesn't exist in our day and age. (laughs) So they wanted to be like every other sanctimonious blue check Mark asshole. Right on Twitter, these officially verified accounts that go out there and tweet and say whatever they want that they wouldn't have the stones to say if they were in front of that person. It's unreal. Which, 
Which which one reason you know Twitter is biased is because Podcast Room 303 does not have a blue check mark. And we are followed to and listened by many of the sports personalities in the sports world. We are the plug in that world. And we don't even use Twitter. It's unreal. It's unreal. I had to bring a little bit of humor. I feel like we're getting a little too angry. This is just an angry show. <laughs> well, I mean, this is what happens when we do once a week. You know what I mean? We can't just break it up anymore. <laughs> can't, have, can't have a fun episode and an angry episode. We're just sitting here like old curmudgeons on the front porch. But except, what, we're, except we're talking about social issues. What's so funny is like, she wanted to be an owner of that league. And they were like, she's never submitted an application. I'm like, no shit. She's not ready to be an owner. (laughs) She's still building up her, her equity and her criteria to be an owner. That's what people do. They don't just jump into being an owner. That's not just something you do. But one of the things that I love about Barstool is that everything that Dave Portnoy does with Dave Portnoy's money Davy Day Trader Global and and buying the racehorses and, and betting and all this stuff. That's Dave Portnoy. And that's the face of Barstool, right? But anything that has a Barstool attached to it, their golf tournaments, their pond hockey tournaments, you know, everything they've branded, their sports book, right? Their, their involvement in Penn, that was not finalized by Dave Portnoy. Well, he's still the president of Barstool. I know he's the president, but... I mean, Erica plays a f- huge role in she what is Barstool has been able yeah. to do. She is Barstool. Yeah, right? she is and, Barstool. And you, you, if you listen to the interviews with Dave Portnoy, he even says that. He says, I wouldn't be here without her. 1,000%. Right? Yeah. She really – she she kind of focused it. It used to be all over the place, and she came in and focused that energy and turned it into what it is today. I mean, if you looked at Penn National Gaming Stock, it just continues to go up. They actually – just- it, was, it was $7. It was yeah. $7 stock. I actually own like 30 shares of Penn. It's 95 now? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I'm plus like almost 1,000. On my shares for for Penn, I was like, "Should I get out? Nah, ride the wave, baby, ride the wave." So Nick and I used to not like Barstool at all, and no. I think it was like in the last last eighteen months, uh, we've been converted. I'm a big stand for Barstool now. I love a lot of what they do. Their personalities are what makes it over the top because we're used to getting these cookie cutter national television broadcast personalities right where only a few shine to r.i.p Stuart scott you know what i mean neil everett stan barrett so there's only scott a few that they're only there's only a few that really shine through yeah but scott van pell is still the the textbook you know he's still the textbook talking head he just gets Chris to Berman. sneak he get, in there whoop. Wow. <laughs> he still gets to sneak in you know segments like bad beats and stuff but he still plays the game very very well long story short (laughs) national women's hockey league honestly not a lot of people knew that this was a league you've only been around for five years and you barely added your sixth team shout out the name though they added the toronto six and i was just like oh i see what you did there as a 60 i was like that's a great that's a great team name and if this league continues to expand and grow that's going to be a great story like you know 40 years down the line and stuff if it if it does you know god forbid it's so hard to run a sports league 
let alone now when you can't have fats. But nobody, nobody, none of the casuals knew you were, right? Diehard hockey fans probably knew you were. Women hockey fans definitely knew you were. Nick and myself knew about you. But this is your biggest publicity ever, and it's not a good look. You should definitely reevaluate what, where you're planting your flag and what you're getting upset about. With that being said, we're just going to go ahead and move into soccer. We have a few storylines to go through. We're going to do this pretty. We're going to do this pretty quickly because none of them are very, very good. <laughs> so we'll start from the top down on our list, Nick. Uh, from the bottom up, Nick. We'll start with Latan versus Lukaku, ex Manchester United teammates. They recently played each other in the. Oh man, what do they call it? It's like the. Yeah, it's uh, FA Cup. No, 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 no. It's when the two inner city rivals play. So Inter Milan and uh, Derby. Yeah, but they call it like some Darby. sort of Italian derby, right? Um, Napolina. So Slatan and Lukaku are talking mad smack to each other. Uh, Lukaku uh, says something, and then Slatan, I think, tells him he kicks like a donkey. <laughs> Lukaku gets mad, says something back. I think Slatan said something about Lukaku's mom. And then Lukaku said, All right, you want to do something about it? Meet me inside. When they're walking off the pitch, then Lukaku says something about this is all based on a user who's put the thread together from watching the film over and over again. Something about uh, he'll put a gun to your head and shoot you. Uh, and Zlat- Lukaku said that, right? Yeah, Lukaku said that to Slatan, and Slatan took a shot at his mother, and then Slatan made a joke from Lukaku's Everton days in 2017 when uh, Lukaku was going to sign with Everton. Um, he had a deal that was paying him higher than the deal he was going to sign with Chelsea, and he went to the meeting with his agent and the C or no, his agent went to the meeting with the president of Everton. They have a discussion. They say that they're ready to sign yada, yada, yada. They call, call Lukaku and Lukaku talks about how he called his mom and he had a voodoo. This is from the president of Everton, by the way, he had a voodoo and he has to sign with Chelsea. So he turns Everton's offer down and he ends up not signing with Chelsea. He signs with Manchester United instead. <laughs> Long story short, that story came out because the president talked about how Lukaku had a voodoo and that's why he didn't sign with them. And he was pretty upset because, you know, Everton can't really compete with those big, the big six like they want to. So Zlatan made a call back to that and said, do that voodoo shit on the pitch. And a lot of people are running within trying to say that it's he was being racist completely forgetting that there is past precedence about that comment. You know what I mean? He was poking fun of the Everton situation. He's poking fun of the boss and it was trash talk. Sure. They got personal for sure. <laughs> there were, there were threats. You don't insult anyone's mother, but um, it's just, you can't instantly jump to racist on every single exchange. So I'll just say two things on this, right? One, 
Zlatan can't be racist. Well, Zlatan is at his core racist, but it's to all races because Zlatan only cares about Zlatan. So that's one. Two, telling Lukaku to go do that voodoo shit, even if it didn't have a a, a, a preordained thing, is a little bit less than someone going, I'll put a gun to your head and kill you. <laughs> Yeah. Don't you think so? Yeah. Because, I mean, he made fun of his mom, so you can understand why Lukaku got hot. But, like, that's a big leap. But, like, there is, like, racism, and then there's death threats. Racism is 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 worse than death threats is what I got from this story. I, I mean, but, no, is anyone talking about how Lukaku said he's going to pr- put a gun to Zlatan's head? That's a little... That's a little much, and and I do agree with you, right? Because there was Pat, there there was. I I liked I've I've watched interviews with Slotson all throughout his career. He's a funny guy, but he's also he remembers a lot of stuff. A lot of pro athletes remember a lot of stuff. It's why they're so good because they have a steel trap memory. When he was playing Lukaku, he like they were rivals back in the day, and they played together. They were teammates at Manchester United at the same time. Well, there you go. So they, he probably ribbed him about it in the locker room. 100%. Yeah, he did. And it was probably a funny thing back then, or it wasn't a funny thing. And Zlatan knew that regardless, no matter what he said about his mother, his pay, his kids, he knew that there was one thing that could get under Lukaku's skin, and that was to talk about that because he had had a prior interaction in which it got under Lukaku's skin. Yeah, 100%. They already knew each other, so he knew that that was the button to press. Yeah. But like... If he said something racist, all right, bet. Call him out for being racist. But don't just make the leap to racism because people are talking shit on the pitch. And also, like, is there no accountability for Lukaku and what Lukaku said? <laughs> like, I don't see Lukaku coming out and tweeting his apology. I have to hear about Slaton's apology. The dude refers to himself in a third person. He's a classic narcissist. You know what I mean? Like Nick said, he's racist towards anyone. So he doesn't like anybody. He only likes yeah, he only likes Slatan. Like <laughs> My favorite quote of all time of his is a reporter when he was playing in Italy asked him what he got his wife for a birthday for her birthday, and he said, "I got him me because Latan is the only present anyone ever needs." <laughs> Outrageous, dude! This is just who he is all the time, all the time, in all the media. He said he this was is the this- best thing that happened to. Uh, the uh, LA Galaxy. I mean, I just—I mean, spot the lie. I mean, maybe, maybe David Beckham. I don't. Did did Slatan win an MLS title with the Galaxy? I don't think he did. Well, he, I mean, he did more. I mean, I guess he. I guess he was the. He was really the first like actual prime MLS or star to come to the MLS. Yeah, just a sidebar on the MLS. The MLS actually sent memos to all the players and owners and stuff and told them to prepare for a lockout. Interesting. That's not going to be good. That's never good. All right. So we'll move on to the uh, next topic in, in football and Scottish coach, David Martindale was allowed to resume duties despite being convicted of drug charges and Monday laundering. So he is the Livingston uh, boss. So he's been cleared for his managerial role by the SFA. <laughs> oh, hold on. 
this was mm, this is actually not news. So let me just clear oh. let me just clear it up. All right, so he served six and a half years in prison in two thousand six. Oh. So I well, that's thought, good. I thought this was a recent conviction. Well, congrats to Scottish coach David Martindale for uh, doing his nickel. And uh, it's glad to see him back on the pitch. Let's move on, Jermaine. Yeah, move on. <laughs> God, that's, that's, that's a Nick talked out of his ass. Yeah, for Going sure. After a man that did his nickel already. Well, I mean, yeah, that headline was misleading. I forgot I hadn't read that article yet. It's too many articles. All right, we're going to move into the NCAA. We'll just touch real quick. March Madness sets its start dates. First four is uh, the 18th, so that's a Thursday. Then we have the first round beginning on the 19th and 20th, so that'll be Friday and Saturday. And the second round will be the 21st and 22nd, which will be Sunday and Monday. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. March Madness will be happening this year. As we've been reporting, it's all going to be happening in Indianapolis. All 60, what is it? 68. Six teams now? 68. 68, yeah, because of the playing games. Yep. Normally 68 because of the two playing games. Gosh. Yeah, 68. Uh, GME is. Words are hard. GME is for you. All right, dude. (laughs) Yo, mid podcast GME updates. I love it, dude. So, I mean, uh, you you get to yell out about games mid podcast. I do. I get to give mid mid GME, GME updates. I said I love it, dude. Nobody's knocking it. All right, so Michigan postpones all athletics following positive tests for the new strain of COVID-19. We'll see how this impacts other sports, other collegiate endeavors. Uh, Speaking of March Madness, as it just went down, if Michigan can get it, that means anyone can get it. So we'll see how the overreaction is to this strain. I don't know too much about this strain, but they're – there's definitely going to be some overreactions to try to nip it in the butt before it gets any, any more traction. So we'll keep you abreast of any COVID-19 updates in any of the league as always. And then we'll move on to combat sports. UFC 257 actually went down this weekend from fight Island. McGregor made his fight Island uh, debut and he was the main event in a rematch against Dustin Diamond Poirier. So this was actually a big-time lightweight card. A lot of people thought if McGregor won, he would get another title shot. But I don't see Khabib coming back. So in all actuality, I treated this as a tournament-style event, right? So the two lightweight winners would go on to fight each other for the title. But that probably won't happen until... um, past the midway mark of this year, obviously because these gentlemen just hit each other in the face, got kicked in, kicked in the body, yada, yada, yada. And so what, what we have is we have um, Dustin Poirier winning against McGregor by KO. First time McGregor's ever been slept. First of all, thank you very much, Dustin. I'm not in the pro Connor camp anymore. So I was, I had money on Dustin. And I was dumb excited to see him sleep McGregor. It was great. And I loved every second of it. And uh, I agree with JJ Watt, man. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get it. We'll get into that. 
Give me my $70 back. <laughs> and then uh, Michael Chandler made his debut against Dan Hooker. Uh, he was a fuller, former Bellator MMA, MMA fighter who won the title three times for that company. And he finally cashed in his free agency and moved to UFC. He was thrown into a high-profile first fight against the number six ranked lightweight in the world, down Dan Hooker. And he absolutely owned him within the first two and a half minutes of the first round. KO knocked him out. Then proceeded to cut a Ric Flair like promo, which is what everyone's calling it. I don't really see the entire Ric Flair. I just nobody touches Ric Flair. But he proceeds to c- cut a promo where he calls out Poirier, McGregor, and Khabib all in one, and then casually wrench- mentions the rest of the division. So it's definitely setting up for a Dustin versus uh, Chandler uh, showdown. But uh, I've been hearing reports that Poirier, McGregor want to capitalize on a trilogy fight. Not too sure how I felt it. All right. Touching on what Nick said, JJ Watt tweeted. He wants a $70 back from UFC. He had me weak. So it's one of the reasons why we're going to be talking about it. Um, I wasn't affected by this, but there was something about 35,000 accounts of ESPN plus that were affected by an outage. And apparently uh, I never, I did not corroborate the details of this story, but apparently Dana White said, you know, I wish hackers would come test us and yada, yada, yada. And then hackers did test them on 257 and 30, 35,000 accounts. So you would imagine 35,000 households were unable to watch the fight and most likely had to go find some sort of illegal website to watch it from. Were you not watching it illegally already? Oh, I always buy it on ESPN Plus. Uh, if, no, if, I'm just saying to people. I'm oh, saying to people. Yeah, exactly. So people who spent money uh, and got blacked out were probably pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> so that covers our combat sports. We'll, we're not going to get too much into 257 because we have a few other things to get to, and we're already running a little long-winded on this one. Um. Real quick, uh, NBA, Steph Curry passed Reggie Miller for uh, second place all-time three-point made field goals with 2,561. I'm sure he has more than that now. And the NBA is still considering an all-star game despite everything that's going on with all their postponements of games and cancellations. The second half of the NBA schedule is going to be a lot of fun to look at. We're going to get into NFL news now, though. So the you want to go ahead? Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do it. So I we, so we've we've this this podcast today has kind of been marred with just anger and 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 bad news, except for GME, which is uh, currently five hundred, um, <laughs> and it's it's going to open at five hundred, and I'm buying a new convertible. Um, seven hundred uh, seventy five hundred healthcare workers uh, are getting. Uh, are getting free Super Bowl tickets. They're picked by uh, each of their team's own community. Uh, so that's that's some good news that that people are getting that uh, healthcare workers are are getting free Super Bowl tickets. Uh, yeah, that's good news. Uh, <laughs> Jen- Jennifer King became the uh, first black full time NFL coach for the Washington Football Team. Um, 
uh, more more bit of good news. I mean, it, that's that's positive. You got anything to say on that, Jermaine? I mean, that's that's good. No, I I added it in there because it's dope that she got the job with Washington football team. But it just this is completely part of Washington's revamp and um, changing a position in order to you know, rectify a lot of their past grievances and mistakes. So it's great that she got a job, but it's only the start. That's uh, so uh, that's kind of why I hesitated, right? I love that she is getting that she is the first black full-time coach in the NFL. I would prefer if it weren't for an organization that is currently in a battle for sexual assault cases. Yeah. You know, it's, it does seem like they're doing it for the the PR situation, and that's that seems a bit unfortunate. But the only reason why I'm going to give it a pass is because Ron Rivera, as a man and yeah. an individual, has my respect, and he would not do this unless she was qualified. And she, yes, I don't, I, and, and I don't think she would get this job if she wasn't qualified. So probably yes. And I, I, I'm glad I, I, I'm not debating that she is qualified for this job. I believe that she is uh, fully qualified for this job, probably more qualified than coaches in the NFL. Some coaches <laughs> in the NFL right now. Where's where's uh, the lie? Just because just they got in car crashes for four years doesn't mean they can be a good coach in the NFL. There's a difference between a uh, that's why backup quarterbacks make great coaches because uh, they sat and they watched on the sidelines. Sticking with Washington, Martin Matthew was named Washington's GM, which means Marty Hurley will be their front office executive, which I think was the smartest move that the Washington football team could have made. After watching Marty Hurley run my team into the ground for about 20 years, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a smart move for them not to let him have all the power. Yeah, I, I actually, we buried Washington for, for hiring Herney. Um, the last podcast, so I made sure that we added this in there to touch on it. So hopefully Martin Matthew can can uh, save that. He's already doing uh, he's already doing good things, you know, by letting uh, Rivera hire Jennifer King as the coach because obviously general manager has a say on that. So uh, Washington can be very exciting next year uh, for a whole lot of reasons. So if they can cash in on a quarterback, I don't know what the Alex Smith situation is. I don't know his cap hold or anything like that, but um, I really think Alex Smith needs to retire. I really think he just needs to take his comeback player of the year award and go home. Yeah, go home. Thanks. Thanks for playing, kid. Yeah. So Washington football team is making a lot of interesting moves. Um, and what's a, what, 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 let me let me talk about what are you, you going to finish your Washington football team thing? No, I was just going to move into the next thing, so you can go ahead and do it. Well, I was I was going to say before I talk about the head coaches, a good head coach and a bad head coach, or a good a good hire and a bad hire. The Rams announced a court, announced this week that they're which which is ridiculous. It's January. The Super Bowl hasn't even happened. Like, don't you want to don't you want to debate this a little bit more, Los Angeles? The Los Angeles Rams announced that there's going to be a quarterback uh, competition between Jared Goff and what's the what's the Wofford's first name? Ooh. Wolford, Jared Wolford, are they Jared Goff and Jared Wolford? John, John Wolford. Oh, John, darn! I thought the winner got to keep the first name as well. What? Why? Why are you announcing this right now? Who cares? Yeah, it was. It's a big time slap in the face to Jared Goff. There is, <laughs> yeah, there is something going on there, and I cannot tell you uh, <laughs> what is going on, dude. I really cannot tell you. So I talked about a good hire and a bad hire. 
the good hire, the one that I love, is hiring Anthony Lynn, former Los Angeles Chargers head coach, the hire by the Detroit Lions for him to be their OC. I think the Chargers had an electric offense, right? And I think that bringing a new OC in uh, to work uh, with the new quarterback that they're going to get is a great solution. I say new quarterback, and some of you out there say, well, Matt Stafford is the Lions quarterback. Well, no, he's not. Uh, the uh, Lions and Matt Stafford agreed to mutually mutually part ways, and the team will actively seek out trade partners before they release him. Yeah, <laughs> so that is he. At the same time, Anthony Lynn gets gets a job again. I like the dude. Great person. Loved him in Hard Knocks. Terrific offense in mind. Not the greatest head coach. So I was like, man, he's getting Matt Stafford. He's getting Marvin Jones. He's getting Kenny Galladay. He's getting DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson. He's going to have a hell of an offense. And then Matt Stafford and Detroit are parting ways. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, just another chronicle of the life of Anthony Lynn. Womp, womp. <laughs> dude, tell me about it, dude. Oh, man. Right, what, 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 do you, what do you got for more hires here? I'm adding a, a few more that also went down. So two quarterback coaches uh, got hired to offensive coordinator positions. And it's surprise, surprise. It's coming from uh, two of the more respected offenses in the league or offensive minded coaches. Cause I don't know about the Rams offense being respected, but saints quarterback coach, Joe Lombardi. That's right. Of the Lombardi lineage hired as the Los Angeles chargers offensive coordinator. He will be working with Justin Herbert. So that is a, fantastic pairing in my opinion also biased since i am a saints fan but uh, joe lombardi is a terrific coach so well you should see continued growth out of justin herbert which is exciting because he was one of the big big stories of last year and then seattle uh after firing their offensive coordinator and dk metcalf going on michael vick's podcast and saying that teams have figured us out because since pete carroll's gone there it's run run throw deep and uh, so Seattle's hiring Shane Waldron as the Rams, uh, and he was the former Rams quarterback coach. So um, Sean McVay, again, uh, grows his tree, even though he's been only head coach for four years. And his tree really hasn't been that good. Well, I mean, I think Zach Taylor's doing a pretty good job in Cincinnati. That's the only, that's the only one I know. Of. Yeah, I mean, this is it. This make or break. Uh, and then the last thing is uh, Houston Texans. You're gonna you want to talk about this? <laughs> yeah, go ahead, bro. Take it away. No, no, keep going, keep going. Oh, all right. Uh, Houston. I'm Texans, gonna sit here and chuckle in the background. Houston Texans have made uh, news again um, because the <laughs> they've made their head coaching hire, and Deshaun Watson has come out before this saying that. Uh, it does not matter who they hire as their head coach. So I guess for that reason, Houston didn't want to wait to get Eric Bieniemy. So Ravens assistant head coach uh, David Culley uh, has, has apparently impressed a lot of people in the organization, gained traction, and has now been uh, agreed upon to terms to become the next uh, – Texas head coach. Next, Wait, hold on. I'm getting. I'm getting. A, I'm getting a call from Deshaun Watson. Hold on. Hold on here. Well, oh, that's weird.
for those of you who don't know what that is, that's bye 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 by NSYNC <laughs> because Deshaun Watson is going bye bye bye. <laughs> oh man, uh, David Coley's already starting off on the wrong foot. Um, this is losing the only, not the only, but the best player on his team before he even gets there. So that's an unenviable situation, but congratulations to you. You are now a head coach in the NFL. <laughs> let's, see what, let's see what you can do without Deshaun Watson. All right, so you want to touch on the championship games? Yeah. Um, so you can't beat the Chiefs. Uh and the Green Bay Packers like to complain about pass interference, even though they committed pass interference. So. No, I mean, they didn't call it that whole game. People were getting mugged on that field. And then no, I know, I know it, it, it's, it's really just the curious case of the NFL refs throwing flags at the exact wrong time in the playoffs. Yeah, it's <sighs> look, I'm fine. If you're not going to throw pass interference flags and you're going to let that amount of hand checking go, <laughs> but I'm sure this has been covered ad nauseum, but to sound like a broken record, yeah, it was past interference, but they had been doing that all day. Devontae Adams was literally getting molested at the line of scrimmage. Alan Lazard, on a crucial third down catch, literally was held off the line of scrimmage and had his body turned to where his back was damn near facing Aaron Rodgers when the ball was thrown his way. And none of that was thrown. And now when the game is on the line, you guys all of a sudden know that pass interference is a rule that you should enforce. Keep it in your pocket or throw it all the time. Just consistency. That that is that is the big thing, right? If you're inconsistent, it's gonna shine bright. And that's exactly what tainted this game, which was two quarterbacks who stunk it up on that field. Like, neither one of them played very well. So, Aaron Rodgers, sit down, shut up, and stop talking all this nonsense about how you're leaving Green Bay. You didn't play that great. Tom Brady didn't play that great. He just played better than you. And he's not hilarious that in a 69 point game, we're saying both quarterbacks didn't play very well. Bro, there was six turnovers. I know. Sick. And Green Bay and, and Green Bay did not convert on theirs. Exactly. The whole point of the game is Tampa Bay got three turnovers. I think they cashed all three touchdowns, right? Short fields, touchdowns. Tom Brady cashed short fields and touchdowns. My buddy uh, E texted us and said, hey, another great uh, defense carrying Tom Brady to the Super Bowl. And, and I don't know how much I can disagree with that. And then Aaron Rodgers gets but three. Inter- I, yeah, exactly. Aaron Rodgers gets three interceptions himself, and I believe they scored six points off those interceptions. And here's the real kick in the dick. There's a video of Aaron Rodgers going up to his defense telling, get me a stop. Like he's going to win this game. <laughs> they get him a stop, and he doesn't win the game. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams couldn't connect in the red zone to save their life. That's why they lost the game, because the quarterback didn't play well. So Aaron Rodgers, sit down, shut the fuck up, stop asking for four money, more money. You're one in four in NFC Championship games. If anything, take less money so that way you can get a better offensive line, so that way you can get a better defense. Also, what is the defensive coordinator doing with Kevin King at the end of the first half? Yeah, I don't know. There's four seconds left, and you let the dude beat you deep for a touchdown. You deserve to lose that fucking game. Get out of here. No doubt. 
All right. So that's that was the that was the NFC. Tom Brady goes to another another uh, NFC championship. Uh, the the fun fact of of that game is now Rex Grossman and Aaron Rodgers still have the same number of NFC cha- NFC championships. So shout out to podcast favorite Rex Grossman. <laughs> <laughs> you know that over the last twenty years, the Gre- probably last thirty years, the Green Bay Packers have had two of the best quarterbacks of all time. And have two Super and they Bowls. Have two show, Super right? Bowls. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll move. We'll move, we'll, we'll move on to, to the AFC game. Is is Patrick Mahomes turning into the Mike Trout of the NFL? He's got something special, bro. But like, I even I tricked myself into being like, dude, Josh Allen and the Bills—they're legit. Like, th- this should be a close game. And then I saw the score of the game, and I was like, "Oh, that's right, it's Patrick Mahomes." Yeah, there was a lot of people uh, talking up the Bills in this game, and I was just like, "I don't understand how your Kansas City de- defense has been good since you know the final six games of last season." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not this season we just played, but last season, you know, the counting the playoffs. So it was like the final three regular season games, and then the three playoff games. And they've been very good all year. So uh, Chris Jones coming up the middle. Uh, Kansas City defense made it a nightmare for the Bills. I think the the Bills and the Browns impressed this year. And they have thrown their name in the contender hats. But um, uh, it's going to be an interesting 2021-2022 season for those two teams. Definitely. Let's see if they can if they can improve upon it. I mean, the Bills the the Bills are doing exactly what you want to see the Bills do. You know, Josh Allen, the maturation of a young quarterback gets you know doesn't go to the playoffs, goes to the playoffs and makes a terrible like a terrible young quarterback mistake. Then third year goes to the playoffs, actually plays pretty decently, gets the AFC Championship, and and loses to a better team. Yeah, what right. it just sucks. It just sucks that the next six years he's going to be losing to that better team. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, <laughs> so Cleveland and Buffalo have a big situation ahead of them, right? So, a lot of these teams who have been winning Super Bowls lately are winning with quarterbacks on their rookie deal, right? Because they can surround the team with much better uh, talent. Uh, Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield are coming into their fourth year. So you have to imagine an extension is coming soon. So we have, we'll see. That's why I said it's going to be very interesting to watch Cleveland and Buffalo. And I don't remember the last time that sentence has ever been said. Uh, 1992. <laughs> so yeah, 1992, uh, maybe 96. And I did think it was cool that it was 27 years ago, 27 years in a day that the Buffalo Bills had won or been in their last AFC championship, and it was a win against Kansas City, 31-18. What was the score? What was the final score? of that? 34-24, I think. 38-24. 38-24, okay. I was going to say, if it's 31-18, that's spooky. Uh, it would be spooky. Spooky. Um, hey, what am I saying? Don't forget, man. Yeah, <laughs> 1993. So... Uh, one of my favorite stats to see about Josh Allen, right, is is like you said, the matura- maturation of him. So his rookie season, he completed 56% of his passes and, t- and had 10 touchdowns. In his sophomore season, he completed 62% of his passes. It was probably like 61.68 or some 
something like that, but you know, roundup because that's what we do on this podcast. And he completed 20 touchdown passes this year. Josh Allen completed 68% of his passes. Shout out Stefan Diggs and had 40 passing touchdowns. Yeah, that's right. pretty good when you're not throwing to Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah, exactly. So if we're following that pattern, right? If if we have the, one of those math questions from like freshman year and it says uh, complete the pattern. So it's six more percentage points to his completion. So he'll be breaking the record with 74.5% completion and he will throw 80 touchdowns next year. I mean, I, I yeah. So I, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a stats guy and I see no, I see no fault with that. All right. So we're taking the over on uh touchdown passes for Josh Allen, right? Yeah. I might even, I might even predict 80 and see what that is. Plus 2,500 plus no. 25,000, 25,000. Yeah. It's that GME. It's that GME cash in bro. Speaking of what's GME uh, at right now? Uh, 481. All right. So uh, that sets up a matchup between the Kansas city chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, AKA baby goat versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady, AKA the goat. Uh, and we're actually going to cover the Super Bowl more in depth next week's edition of the podcast. We wanted to touch basis on these NFC championships. The Green Bay Packers, who relied heavily on the run game all, all year to set up play action, got 27 yards out of Aaron Jones, who was hurt and fumbled twice, lost one. Uh, they could not run the football. Uh, Tampa Bay defense looks pretty legit, and they, they were able to clamp down when necessary on the receivers. Uh, without Antoine Winfield Jr., which was their breakout rookie second-round pick. Um, Kansas City Chiefs lost the left and right tackle, but are getting um, Le'Veon Bell back and Sammy Watkins back, as if they needed more weapons. So, like we said, we'll we'll go deeper into the Super Bowl next week, but that sets up a pretty interesting matchup by... Um, I have money on the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl at plus 330. Took that in probably like week four or something like that. Um, Tom Brady's going to go ahead and fuck my bet over, though. I already know it. No way, dude. I think I think the Chiefs win this game 45-10. Uh, against Tampa Bay's D- – anyway, we'll talk about against, it. We'll talk uh, about this next week. Yeah, that's, uh, that's my early prediction. All right, so 45-10. Get out of here. All right. So uh, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and move into find him and cut him. I'm going to let Nick go ahead and uh, take this away. What? Yeah. So, so you'll, you, you can do the, you can do the MMA one because that's more your, your swim lane, but <laughs> former, and I, and I emphasize the word former uh, Seahawks offensive tackle. Chad Wheeler is facing three criminal charges including first degree domestic violence and assault because this piece of shit um was his girlfriend right girlfriend yeah it was his girlfriend exactly choked his girlfriend unconscious uh due to due to some argument that they had uh and was arrested Paid bail, but has been released by the Seattle Seahawks. And I, I mean, what, like, what, what, what more can you say about about that? I mean, that's not. There's, there's, there's not. You can't find the good in anything that someone who chokes a chokes a spouse or a significant other unconscious for no reason, really. 
Yeah. So, so some of the details, it was, uh, it's been three charges. It's first degree domestic violence assault. Then it's domestic violence, unlawful imprisonment. So it seems like he wouldn't let her leave either. And then he resisted arrest. <laughs> if you haven't Googled a photo of this dude, Nick, um, all right, I'll take I'll take oh a look at old, my God. old Chad Wheeler. Does he look like a dude that would choke his girlfriend? Oh, one hundred percent. He's a Chachi Chacherson for sure, bro. So his his he was bonded out on four hundred thousand dollars bail. Which, if I'm not mistaken, bail is ten percent of. So, I don't even. That's that's a wild. So, uh, so he's actually getting a fel- felony domestic violence report. And this, dude, this dude plays in the National Football League, bro. That's what I said. He looks like he looks like he runs a gas station. No, like he works the night shift at the gas station. Yeah, he doesn't at run the gas it. station. Yeah, and when you ask him for cigarettes, he like insults you. Yeah, he rolls his eyes, bro. This is <sighs> we do, we try to try to bring brevity and comedy to these situations, but you, this one is. Very legitimate. This uh, this dude has deserves everything that's coming his way. That's that's uh, pretty despicable to when you hear and read the details on the case. Uh, we're probably not going to get too much further into this be- just because of the you know the nature of the topic. But <laughs> yeah, noticeable fingerprints on both sides of her neck, as well as capillaries that had burst at the back of her throat. Yeah, that's uh, it's pretty crappy. Yep. All right. So <laughs> with that being said, uh, Chad Willier, you've been fined, you've been cut, and hopefully you are jailed. Yeah. Uh, um, we'll move on to the next find him and cut him, which it definitely has a little more brevity. So you remember when the NBA did their bubble, right? And we find and cut. Oh, man. I think it was Dad- Lou Will, right? No, no, Lou Will. We did find and cut, but that was because he went to go get wings at the strip club. No, I think we That's find right. we find and cut uh, Daryl House Jr. If I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah, I think so. I don't know if you can find it in the old docs, but um, so <laughs> he snuck someone into his bedroom, right? And it was actually, I think it was one of the ladies who was working at the, or one of the young women who, who was working at the hotel that he was staying at. So he snuck her in. Right. So, and that was like unauthorized guest protocol violation. And he was sent home from the bubble. (laughs) We have a similar situation in the MMA world. So Abu Dhabi, right. It's, it's Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi. So it's where fight Island takes place for UFC. That's where 257 was kicking off this weekend. 257 was set to have a card between Atman Aizate um, he was supposed to face Matt Frivola and he actually ends up getting cut just one day before this event takes place. So he was an undefeated lightweight as well on the active, ro- uh, active roster. So he's German and Moroccan and he had 10 career KOs and he actually had his security team give an unauthorized individual a wristband and snuck her into his room. And I think Dana White set this as a precedent 
So that way no one else did it again because Fight Island is going to be a thing. And as long as the quarantine and lockdown and these whole procedures goes down. So everyone who was on that island was tested and cleared and clean. There was no COVID. And that's how they were able to have fans in the arena and stuff like that. So they have a very strict protocol process in place to continue to ensure that that's all going down. So it was the third live event in seven day span. So when something like this goes down, Dana White had to make a statement. This dude actually did get cut. So Otmar Otman Azaitar, right? German Moroccan. That's a hell of a combo. You've been fined. You've been cut. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> you gotta love the the sneaking someone into your room. Dude, it's like, dude, you really can't wait. Yeah, you can't wait for, you can't wait until you literally go punch somebody in the face or get punched in the face and 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 then like leave Fight Island to go anywhere in the world. Yeah. I, my thing is is like you just did most likely an eight week training camp. Six to eight week, right? And you worked your ass off to get to this moment, to get this $50,000 payday. And right? you're undefeated. Undefeated. You're trying to get a $50,000 payday. You're trying to get on the McGregor card, right? As much as I don't like McGregor, McGregor is a draw. People were buzzing for this fight. You were going to get on the McGregor card, 50000 with the potential to win a fight night bonus. And instead... You give a bracelet to someone, I don't know who, and sneak them into your room, and you lose your job eight weeks down the drain, $50,000 down the drain. I think that's the, the part of find in find him and cut him. So, uh, Otman Azaitar, uh, definitely not a very egregious violation, just kind of a foolish decision on your behalf, but... You know, you've been fine. You've been cut. We wish you success in your future endeavors. Good thing there is one championship in uh, Bellator. I'm sure they'll scoop you up, bro. Awfully. All right. With that being said, we're going to wrap up this edition of Podcast Room 303, episode 51, with the trivia question. What was Hank Aaron's single season home run mark? Bonus question. What year was it? So, in honor of the former home run king, uh, this podcast does recognize Barry Bonds. <laughs> if you don't, Indeed. if you don't believe us, uh, feel free to scroll forward uh, or to rewind thirty-five to forty minutes, where Nick uh, passionately and vehemently gave his opinions on the situation. Seven hundred sixty-three home runs. <laughs> uh, so Hank Aaron's single season home run mark was forty-seven in nineteen seventy-one. Oddly enough, he did not lead the league in home runs in that year. So uh, Hank Aaron never hit over fifty home runs on his way to hitting seven hundred and fifty, seven hundred fifty-five. Correct. Seven hundred fifty-five. Yes. Okay. Yeah, on his way to hitting seven hundred and fifty-five, he never once hit fifty home runs in a single season, which was pretty staggering for me to hear out loud. And he, I have it written down here as only led the league four times in home runs. But uh, Nick and I were trying to get corroborate like how many times who's led the league in home runs the most. Um, 
and we got lazy halfway through it. So we're going to just switch it to he's led the league in home run four different times in the year 1957, 1963, 1966, and 1967. All right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, think about that span, right? You, you lead the league in home runs in 1957. Then 14 years later, you have your career high in home runs. And by the way, in 1971, Willie Stargill, Stargill sorry, of the Pittsburgh Pirates led the league in home runs. He hit 48. So, <laughs> so basically, in, in a 14, a 14-year career, which most people would, would look upon as a great career, and to hit, you know, to lead the league in home runs, I think he hit excuse me, 44 in 1957. And then 14 years later to hit 47 is incredible. Yeah, but he he played into the 70s, right? His career was much longer than 14 years. Yeah, his career was like 23 years. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was longer than that. He, how did he make? He made 25 All-Star games. Yeah, hold on one second. He retired in 76. And he uh, played in 51, right? No, he made it to the league in 54. Oh, maybe he has 25 All-Star games because of the Negro League All-Star games. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, 25 All-Star games, and he played 23 years. Yep, in the majors. In the but majors. Now that the, but now that the Negro League All-Star, Negro Awards, and stats count, now he now his stats are, are included. So does that mean he's the league leader? Oh no, they is he the league leader in home runs now if they added the Negro League home runs? Or was that already counted? Uh no, they were not gonna add Hank Aaron's Negro League home runs. That's one of the ones they did not add. That's right. I remember I was talking about that. But oh, if he was such a legitimate home run threat, you should have added him. You should I don't see why home you, run thing, you should add him. I don't see why you would specifically omit those home runs. Especially like omit them and then let Barry Bonds into the hall. Well, I think, I think, the, I think the issue the issue isn't more than that. I think it's before a certain year. So, okay. So, like, I think before nineteen forty seven or like before nineteen. I, I I don't remember what it is. Yeah, but all right. So that wraps up this edition of uh, Podcast Room three zero three. Um, I'm your host, Intellectual Keys. This is my co-host, Nicholas Morhan. You got anything for the people, Nick? Nope. Like, subscribe, download, share. Appreciate all of you. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast Room 303. Intellectual Keys out. Hey, everybody. Have you ever watched a game and said to your buddies, I knew, insert player name here, was going to do that? Alas, the sports gods have delivered us a solution, the Thrive Fantasy app. Thrive is a -a one-of-a-kind daily fantasy sports app specifically for player props. They've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about top-tier athletes in the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, or esports. For the NFL, you choose 10 out of 20 player prop options, and yes, even Falcons players are available. For fans of the NBA, MLB, or PGA and esports events, choose 5 out of 10 player prop options to complete your lineup. 
Thrive even offers new contests daily for each PGA event, meaning if your golfer doesn't make the cut, you'll still have a chance to win big. By this time, you should be asking, but Nick, how do I make money? Well, each prop has an associated over or under fantasy point total based on its likelihood to occur. But beware, the more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. By racking up the most points, you win the prize pool. And since launching in 2018, Thrive has paid out more than $1.3 million in prizes. So what are you waiting for? Use promo code ROOM303 when you sign up and receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Yes, that's $20. And also, code ROOM303. Download Thrive Fantasy and prop up today. Not all states qualify.